Delane Braze reporting for duty. Your source for fitness and food education with a noble purpose. Fasten your seatbelts and hold on to your carrots. You're listening to the Lean Braze radio show at theleanbraze.com. We are Avengers of Health. Hello, welcome, Braves. I'm Ron Jones with Kevin Rail and Stephen Jepson from NeverLeaveThePlayground.com. And we are the Lean Berets, and we've got a great show today uh, titled after Stephen's website, Never Leave the Playground. And we were chatting a little bit before the show, and it appears that he has not been contained his whole life. He's got quite a, <laughs> quite a playful uh, personality and philosophy on life, and, and we're so happy to have you. Uh, we've seen some of your videos, Stephen, quite inspirational, and, and welcome to our show in the Lean Berets. Well, thank you very much. It's great to be here. I really look forward to the time that we're going to share this afternoon. Absolutely, and, and this is a show about learning and experimentation and having some fun. Uh, and in the process, getting more fit, too, because you're, you're looking pretty good for, what are you, 72 now? Yes, I'll be 73 in May. Great. So you're aging well. And you know, Kevin and I were talking a little bit earlier about you know, what we wanted to chit-chat with you a little bit about and this, this whole concept of active aging and, and the fear that people have about falling. I mean, we definitely want to get into that today because you've got a different philosophy about that. Right. Uh, regarding falling, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to give you a couple of... Uh, statistics that are just that when I ran across them that I thought well I'm gonna go help people uh, if you're over 65 this is these are CDC figures by the way okay. you can uh, I will not I'm not gonna um, give you a sub uh, tell you where to go to find every book and everything but everything that I say is researchable on the internet I'm not gonna I'm not gonna BS anybody out there in uh, electronic land and anyway uh, it's just uh, it's just really important to keep to keep moving and and right. uh, and that's it. Well, the number one yeah. co- the number one cause of injury and death, and Kevin and I have talked about this before for American seniors is falling or something related to fall. So the the whole idea of balance training is really important. Right. Well, the CDC figures for if you fall down over the well, two million people are going to fall down this year over the age of sixty five and have to go to the emergency room at the hospital. Of those two million, one million are going to be admitted to the hospital. Of those one million, a percentage of them are going to have broken their hip. If you break a hip over the age of 65, 20% of those people are going to be dead in a year, 12 months, and 80% of the remaining number are never going to live independently again in their lives. I was just horrified when I when I read that when I uh, read that. And so I thought, well, because I teach tightrope walking, and, and I do it today. I mean, somebody wants to come and learn tightrope walking, I'll teach you. And I loose rope walking or slacklining and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I, I thought, well, I will just go and, uh, and give some people some, some hints about what they can do to train their bodies so they're not going to fall down. Mm-hmm. Hey, it kind of fall-proof their bodies, so to speak. And so I studied and studied and studied, and I got a bunch of exercises, and I went to the local university clubs and public libraries and senior centers in the area and delivered this little talk. And so I'm standing up in front of people, and I'm talking to them about uh, doing these little extended bat- practicing on balancing on one foot and doing this and that. And I look out at my audience, and I'd given it several times, and then it dawned on me that the people that came to my talk were, in fact, 60, 70, 80 some of them 90 years old, they had all driven 
to my talk. They all were hail and whole. I was preaching to the choir. Oh, wow, because they, awesome. they were active seniors. Exactly. And so and then they were there. They were able to be there, drive their cars there and just do everything. And and then I thought, well, the people in the, that are in a, uh, a, a retirement home and are just kind of sitting back and waiting to die. Right. Uh, and that's how that's what I think about that. Uh, sitting kills. Are you familiar with Dr. Joan Vernikos, the woman that the woman that rehabbed the astronauts when they came back from space? No, I'm not. What, no. Oh, what a wonder she is. And. Anyway, I somehow she was directed to my video. This is the woman for 30 years uh, rehab the guys coming back from space. Anyway, they are all premier athletes when they when they sh- go off shoot off in that big rocket, that rocket ship heading toward, uh, towards outer space. They're all there's none of them that are anything but superb shape. And if you're out for longer than two weeks, this is all. These are her, her words right out of her book. If you're out for longer than two weeks, it takes a day to get well. For every day that you're out in space, out out in lack of gravity, it's lack of gravity is the concept here. Wow! And so, so these guys, and so if you're out for longer than six months, it takes two and a half days to get well. For every day you're out, so if you're out for six months, it's going to take you a year and a half. Because wow. with, without gravity, what happens without gravity is there is tremendous bone loss and tremendous muscle loss, and so there there are guys. Russians and Americans say, that's not going to happen to me. And they got this strap-on bicycle that they can get on, just pedaling, pedaling. One guy, one American guy, he just went on and on, just hours. Whenever he wasn't working and doing his duties there in the space station, mm-hmm. he just pedaled and pedaled. He was just as sick and had just the same kind of muscle loss and bone loss as all. It doesn't make any difference. Really? You know, we've been researching the, the history of gravity training, and we noticed in, in one of your videos that you were doing some rings and flip-throughs and, and hanging drills. So, you know, gravity is a powerful force that molds your body like clay, and you're using it to age better, which is what people did historically. No, no, it's, it's, no, 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 no. Gravity forms this. When I'm up on stage in front of my audiences, I say, every one of you, and I look them, and I don't care if I got 50 or 100 or whatever, I look at all of them, I say, every one of you are the sum total of every movement that you have made in life right up to this moment. That is, you are the sum total of all of that. I say every stroke on the keystroke on the computer, every stroke in the swimming pool, every pedal on the bicycle, every, every moment in the weight room, and every movement of the chess player, and on and on. You are the sum total of every movement that you've ever made That's right true. to this moment. That's true. That's a good statement right there. I think people should write that on their refrigerators or put it on their walls or something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yes, but that, that's what I do. I, I, I go up in front of people and I tell them, you've got to keep moving. It's absolutely crucial. And here's the deal. For a, a, a million eight hundred thousand years, that's, a, that's when the, the anthropologists figured that we began hunter-gathering, or when the guys that were our ancient ancestors started to be hunter-gatherers, a million eight hundred thousand years, and so for eight, a million eight hundred thousand years, we got better and better at the placement of our feet, and in other words, more and more training and the use of our hands. We just got better and better at that, and we were barefoot for a long, a long, long time. How many times do you think a little tyke walks up and stands ankle deep in in a fire ant hill? Do you know what fire ants are? Oh yes, we lived in yeah. Atlanta for a while. We're very familiar with fire ants. <laughs> okay, how many times? Imagine yourself, you're just a young, young kid, just out of diapers, or you're out walking around, yeah. ancient man, and you go and you stand in a, 
out of ignorance. Yeah. I mean, there's no fault. They just didn't get a chance to tell you. And so there you stand. How many times do you do that in your life? Probably You're once, okay. and that's enough. <laughs> yes, perfect. Okay, and then send the same little tyke. How many times does he pick up or step on a, a live scorpion? Well, that's going to be about a one-time experience. Exactly, right? exactly. exactly. So, yeah. so we became we became very, very careful about where we placed our feet. Our feet went through this range of motion on this extremely varied surface, and so anyway, we were born to move. We we were were born to physically be active, and. And this sedentary behavior, I tell people, I say, sitting is going to kill you if you sit for a long, long time. Sedentary behavior is a slow slide to a, a, a shuddering death. I, and you've, I, people, you've got to keep moving. It's just absolutely crucial. I can't stress it too much. And, and it, so anyway, so we did that for a million eight hundred thousand years. Eleven thousand years ago, humans, we came up with agriculture, and 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 that changed things quite dramatically because then we could stay in one place and we could make more than we could eat but as hunter gatherers we were lean uh, have, are you aware that human beings can run down an antelope and kill it i've talked about and? that it, from the endurance standpoint correct yes yes, yes. Uh, well, i'm going to tell you some figures about this uh first of all the human being my dad when i'm 15 years old or so in about 1955 he says some of you aware that humans can run down an antelope and kill it I said, well, no, Dad. He said, well, yeah, we can. We can. Humans can. And, uh, and I saw that just recently on TV, on my big screen TV. It was exquisite. These beautiful, tall, lean black guys in Africa with these uh, long spears. I don't know if there were three of them or four or five of them. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they're walking together. Then there's a cameraman with them. There has to be because they're in the video. But these guys are the real thing. Yeah. And all of a sudden they startle or wake up uh, uh, an antelope to see they're grazing or sleeping. Up it bolts and off it goes at 40 miles an hour. Okay, these guys are going to end up killing that antelope. What is the average speed that those guys are going to travel at to kill that antelope? I know the answer to the question, so just go ahead and guess. Gosh, I don't know. 18. What- uh, 3.7, 3.7 miles an hour, 3.7 miles. An hour. Yeah, now listen, and how many miles is it going to, how many miles is it going to take to get that antelope? Five miles. That's a good guess. 19. So they're going to, they're going to, okay. Now let, let me tell you, let me, let me tell you why it happens. Antelope, they can, they bolt away and they either escape or they get caught by the, by the animal that's pursuing them. Well, if it's something like a human being, Boom, they're gone. They're 40 miles an hour. They run for a quarter mile or half mile. They're way, way far away, and they just stop and rest. And they, but they got to pant to rest, and they cannot pant when they're running. And these guys are just walking along. The only time they run probably is when they see it so they can startle it. I mean, they just for a few steps. We human beings are not... We are not born to run these long marathon distances. We can go long distances, but to, uh, some doctors, uh, Harvard doctors, drew some blood out of some uh, 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 Boston marathoners. Before they ran the Boston marathon, they drew blood out, and everything, everything was normal. And then they drew blood out when they finished, and some of these uh, people that had just completed the Boston marathon had markers in their blood, that indic- a protein marker that indicated they'd had a heart attack. I heard really? that. Yeah, they're some of the unhealthiest people around, and when they retire from running, their hearts are like, like the heart is like a um, 150 year old person's heart and stuff. Have you heard that? Uh, no, no, sir, I don't know. I I don't know that what you're saying is true, but what I'm just said, what I'm just saying is true. I mean, I, I yes, you can't you can't quit, and and uh, 
anyway, this sitting thing, this sitting thing, uh, they, uh, um, Dr. Vernikos, she was wondering what in the world is happening. The Russians were doing the same thing. They were wondering what in the world we're sending our guys out in space. And they go out, just these behemoths, just they're, they're just prize athletes, and they come back just wasted. And, and then they figured out it was lack of gravity, and then they, then they did some sleep studies. That's what they called them. And they had people lay in bed, and they laid on their back. They paid them to do this, and they lay on their back, and they put uh, uh, things right beside their head, and they hook them up to a uh, catheter. They catheterized the guy. They must have paid these people a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But they, and so they just laid there, just real, real still for I don't know how long. But so the gravity was only pulling down through their body, down through their body lengthwise, not down through the top of the head like it does for all of us when we're ever we're doing anything. It's pulling down through the top of our head for the most part. Right, right. Okay, so that's, it forms us. Gravity forms us. Exactly. So, so these people, in just a relatively short period of time, had the similar kind of wasting that we have out in space. We, are, we, get, we age in space without gravity at ten times or more than, than the rate we age here on Earth. So if you go out in space for, for a year, you're going to age, you're going to be 10, 10 years older. Wow, that's incredible. And it's, it's gravity-related. It's, totally, yeah. Yeah, totally, 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 right. totally, 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 you can move any direction equally well and so forth without any stress. And I said, that's the way it was. I said, you take a, a little baby right out that's just been born, and you put it face down on a table. And then I get up and I, I lay down on a table. I, le- I got props, uh, lots of props when I do my talk. And I lay down on the table. I said, we couldn't even lift our heads up off the table. And, and then I say, and then, and then in nine months from that moment of not being able to lift up our heads, we can walk. And then at two at two years old, we can run, we can go upstairs and downstairs, we can kick a ball, we can spin around, and then at three, and then I get down to kind of a crouchy position and do kind of a little a real low walk and put my hand up saying, with our mother's hand or our father's hand, they take us to this new place, this new wondrous place, and there are giants running around screaming and yelling and just laughing and having a good time. And it's a playground. And so we go on the playground at three or four, whatever, when they were turned loose on the playground, and... And we stay there until we, we uh, get out of grade school or junior high. And then we begin to do soccer or football or basketball or track or tennis or golf or girls horseback ride or guys horseback ride or whatever we do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then we uh, – well, I was All-American swimmer in high school, so that's what I did. And, and then we go to college, and now we begin to sit for long periods of time, although I did swim a little bit in college. But – uh, we, and then we get out of college, and now we've got to work to make a living. And a lot of times that involves sitting for long periods of time. And so we, we go from this, I went, and everybody I knew went from, when I was in grade school, we all ran around the playground. We were all in shape. Right. We, didn't sit, we didn't sit in some room and have our little th- fingers going on a, on a computer game. And then we went to high school, and everybody I knew, we had to go to gym. We had gym class in high school, and mo- a lot of guys I knew were all Americans, this or that. And... Not a lot, but some of us were, uh-huh. and uh, and and then and then we get into as adult life. We got to go out and make a living, and we got to we got to do something to make a living. And a lot of that time is sitting that we have to do, or we go home and we're we're just drained if we uh, from uh, intellectual uh, stimulation of the brain is draining, just like physical. Right. And then we just uh, we got the kids. We sit around. We watch TV. We sit on the couch, 
It ain't good. It's like the sittings and next smoking. You know, I was talking to uh, uh, Shane Hilton from University of North Dakota. He's a guy that we do a lot of historical research with, and he was chatting with me last night, and he said, you know, I figured out when I started to decay as in terms of human movement. I go, well, when, when was that? He goes, when I got out of elementary school, went to middle school, we got the, the jungle gym wasn't there anymore, and we stopped oh, playing man. in the jungle gym, and, and that's when I started moving worse and getting hurt all the time. And so it kind of makes sense. In a lot of play, a lot of schools today, you know, they don't, they don't. It's too dangerous, you know. They don't want any bars. And, I'm know, just installing. Sticks, you know. I'm installing. It's is this so odd that you would bring that up? As I look out the window here in my studio, I've got six by six inch posts, fourteen feet long that I'm going to sink three six uh, six sink three feet in the ground and pour concrete around them, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to put these ladders. I'm a welder, and I'm going to weld up uh, with angle iron, cut up uh, inch and a quarter pipe, and and, and make a jungle gym, and I'm going to bolt it. But I'm going to ha- have one of the things is going to be about eight feet off the ground and parallel to the ground. One of them is going to start at eight feet, and it's going to go up to 11 feet. So I- I'm going to learn to to walk up that, not walk, with my hands, climb right. up that right. from eight feet to 11 feet. I'm 73, man. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. 14-year-olds <laughs> can do Right. I'm a 14 year old across America, and they probably can't even hang for five seconds on a bar like that, let alone climb up it, even on the flat one. Just right. On the ground. You know they right. they did a lot of they did a lot of ladder work historically uh, in the old gymnasiums. They had peak ladders yeah. that had angles to them, and they did back ladder drills, and they went vertical and horizontal, and they were doing all kinds of ladder work with gravity. It is a, it's a superb training, and then there's things that they put on the ground that are. These uh, that look like ladders that you, that are on the ground. Oh, that the, the, the guys speed jump ladders. Is, yeah. I'm sorry. The speed ladders. Speed ladders. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah, yeah. that's wonderful stuff too. Mm-hmm. I do a little bit of that. So so uh, you know I've got one of your videos and we've got the other one on the way and and you're you do all kinds of stuff in that one little demo uh, inter- interview on your website that we'll post. You do seventy some different. Types of movements in the water on the ground on a, on a on a wire and a slack. By the way, I got a slack line. And I'm trying to learn how to do that. So I'm going to be studying your techniques for sure. Um, there's, I said slack line. I can walk up to two trees, uh, thirty feet, ten meters apart, w- with a one inch polypropylene piece of rope. The reason it's polypropylene and it's not nylon is polypropylene does not stretch. Nylon is stretchy and uh, climbers they want things that stretch and and slack lines i think don't i don't they have a little bit of stretch quality. but anyway this thing is just loose it's just hang i just loop it around one tree and walk over and tie it around the other mm-hmm. and then i can step up on it and walk on it wow i mean it's not that i'm really good at it it's just i can do that and i can tightrope walk mm-hmm. but tightrope walking is about equipment i've got something called a ratchet load binder and i can pull a three-quarter inch uh, wire rope uh, to thousands of pounds, maybe maybe seventy thousand pounds, a lot of pounds, and uh, and so and I ask people, well, can you walk down the railroad track? And you both guys say, well, of course I can walk. We did that a lot as kids, walk down the railroad track. Well, then you can tightrope walk because I pull that wire rope so tight mm-hmm. that it's like a it's like a, uh, a railroad track. It's like a two by four on its edge that's been bolted down to something. It's it's pretty. It doesn't move much. The loose rope, now, that's very slippery. That's totally different. Yeah. So you talk on, on your website and videos, you talk about neuroplasticity, and this is something that Kevin and I uh, have a little experience with in our education. Yeah. Uh, that the plastic capability of the brain to 
reform and learn new things. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you've experienced that and how other people that you've worked with have experienced that? Okay. Well, first of all, the brain is being reformed constantly. Today, we just threw this talk. Mm-hmm. However, um, we were born to move, and, 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 uh, and I'll keep... I, you ask wonderful questions, very good questions. Anyway, we were born, born to move, and it, it's that physical movement uh, that, that we got really, really good at, training the hands and feet. That's what we got before we could talk, mm-hmm. before, we could, before we had fire. We got fire a million two hundred thousand years ago. That's when they think we got fire. But anyway, so we're constantly, constantly moving. So, I, we were born to move. As that's the main thing about us. Every medical book I've got, everything I've read about health, it says if you can only do one thing for your health, if you can, there's, there's getting enough sleep. There's getting micronutrition. There's macronutrition. There's uh, spirituality. There's having the people that you love that you can talk to. Mm-hmm. However, the number one thing is to be physically active. Right. If you got, it comes before eating right, before getting enough sleep, before anything. I mean, lumberjacks or uh, mushers, guys that uh, do, uh, or, 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 or uh, guys that ride the uh, uh, Tour de France, they're con- they could be eating hamburgers all day long and, and drinking Coca Colas. Right. I mean, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be good for them. But they wouldn't gain any weight. Right. They're burning it all off. Yeah. They're, they're, they metabolize it all. Yeah. It wouldn't be the best food. I mean, there have been times in my life, uh, I'm 73, there were times in my life when I, I drank a lot of, not as many as, I'm, I mean, I'm six foot one, I weigh 152 pounds. Mm-hmm. But uh, they're, they're, I weigh the same thing I did almost in high school. There are, I used to eat, drink a lot of uh, Coca-Colas and uh, eat a lot of, mush, uh, of uh, French fries and hamburgers. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't know, I didn't, I don't today, I don't, but I will. In other words, I will eat anything. You know, I, guys came over and you said, let's go get a hamburger. I said, well, it sounds great to me. But, <laughs> Kevin, <laughs> Kevin, Kevin, for lean drink some beers, eat some pizza. I mean, I don't think, I think if you're physically active, you, you, then it just becomes frosting on a wonderful cake. If you then eat well and get plenty of sleep and have friends and have spirituality and have enough sunlight and on and on and on, I, I think that's all wonderful. And I personally, I get all that. I have a, yeah. I have a wonderful family, and mm-hmm. I talk to a member of my family almost every day of my life for the last 30 years. So, so, re- got- so related to all this movement, you, you do a lot of work with feet and hands, and Kevin and I are really into the foot fitness, and we understand the neurology of the feet and the, the powerhouse uh, computer information that comes off the ground through our feet. Um, right. It, and you seem to prioritize that. That and, and neurologically, the feet and the hand are very closely related, of course. So, Well, they, have, you seen the, have you seen the videos on uh, YouTube of, the, of the, the armless people and the things they can do with their, just their legs and feet? Yeah, we've watched a little bit of that. It's pretty, and that, that relates back to the brain being plastic and reforming those pathways, right? Absolutely. Yep. But, oh, I started to talk about how, so we're doing that right now, but... Being being physical, like I'm talking about, like when we're, when those guys are going after that antelope, yeah, they they uh, oh but anyway they go after it and the antelope the last time it gets up it just legs just cross and it just goes down and dies and they're just on it they just keep going after it till it doesn't get a chance to recover anymore that's the reason they can get it mm. okay now using but using the feet so these people there's a guy that can repair his automobile he jacks it up and everything have you seen that no I haven't seen that one. 
Okay. Well, if you go the 10 most remarkable things that people can do is just their, and these are people who don't have any arms. Right. Or they're just a, just a little hand coming out of their shoulder or something. They don't have an arm. Right. And the, but they take care of a baby. There's a, a, a Chinese concert pianist. Mm. There is a guy that plays a classical guitar. Oh. They're, and on and on and on. They just do all these marvelous things. But the most remarkable to me was there is a fellow that puts a quarter-inch nut on the top of a six-inch bolt, of a six-inch, quarter-inch bolt. That's a long, thin bolt with a little tiny nut, and this guy picks up the nut with his toes wow. and holds the bolt with his other foot. Remarkable. To me, that, the implication of that is that the, the feet are just as trainable as the, brain, as the hands, and the hands are astoundingly trainable. So, if, so most of our feet start out just really, really stupid, unless you're a hacky sack player or a soccer player. They start, so if you do any training at all, it turns out to be remarkable for your brain. Now we, then you're, cause then you're getting back to the, the, what we were born to do, and that's move. And the first two years, the first number of years of our life, it's just all this physical stuff that's, that our bodies have done, which I think forms some kind of a scaffolding or some kind of a matrix or some kind of a, an internal uh, uh, structure that everything else is hung off of. Because right now, when little little boys are having trouble in school, do you know what they recommend they do? What's that? Stop playing go, video games. Stop playing. No, yeah, go out and start moving. Play more. <laughs> of yeah. course, you know. Yeah, and we we, we, well, we, were, we removed we're recess. Into, um, Ron and I are huge foot fitness people. Ron actually has a, a whole other um, blog site he has set up, and he writes these articles that are just mind-blowing on the feet. And I'm a barefoot runner. And I That's one, love the sensory feedback I get when, my, when I'm barefoot. Not just running, but anytime I'm outside working out and seeing yeah. on lawns and stuff. It's like your whole body just gets lit, lit up like, like nothing else. It's hard to describe, but I'm big into earthing. Are you familiar with that? I'm sorry, what was the, what was the last word? Are you familiar with earthing, it's called? E-A-R-T-H-I-N-G? Yeah, earth, E-A-R-T-H-I-N-G, yeah. Oh, no, I'm not. What's that? Well, earthing is the whole idea of being, being barefoot as much as you possibly can throughout your whole life and connecting to the earth, and your body picks up negative ions, and it puts your body into homeostasis. And allegedly, if you walk across your yard 10 feet and back, your body goes into complete homeostasis. That's that. That's, that's wonderful. That's, well, I, well, I did not know that. It, but right a, now, I'm barefoot. I, I am barefoot. I'm, I'm pacing. I'm up pacing around. I've seen your videos, and you're always barefoot, and I love So am that. I. I'm barefoot, you're too. Always... We're, we're grounding out as we speak. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I did, I, are, I, are either of you familiar with a guy named Daniel Lieberman? Yeah. The, 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 story, the story of the human body. This is a guy from Harvard, that, uh, a, a, a Jewish uh, Ph.D. college professor at Harvard that runs barefoot and is an advocate of that. Oh, yeah. He, hasn't he done all the barefoot studies there at Harvard? Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'm That's just, the I just, same I, guy. I a video. Yep. On YouTube, he has a video on YouTube, and that was the, the first video I watched several years ago when I got into barefoot running. And yeah. he just put everything into so much clarity for me i was like oh my gosh i just married the idea of becoming barefoot and i've been an advocate ever since right you are you a toe strike we're we're, we're learning the forefoot strike we've we've well, done well, some work what I, yeah, oh, the yeah. Four, the, the, the the forefoot strike neither yeah, of you forefoot. you don't run heel strike right no 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 no, you can't. You're going to injure the right. That's what he says in the book. And he says that, that uh, there are no flat-footed, there are no flat-footed barefoot people. <laughs> because it causes, it causes your, it causes your arch and your, the bones in your feet and the control, it causes that to really, really be tight in good shape. 
By the way, remember I talked about um, – we were talking about training the hands and feet. This year, the two things that I've uh, decided to do, and I've started – I'm learning to juggle four, four balls, Mm -hmm. and I'm punching a speed bag. I have a professional – and I can can do both a little tiny bit, but I'm going to do a video – and put it on the Internet, and you'll say, this is what I can do now. In six months, I'm going to show you what I have learned in this year. But that's what I advocate for everybody to, to do. Is that, And if you're a little girl and you play jacks as a child, then you play jacks again, but now learn to play jacks with your non-dominant hand. And, 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 and so, but anyway, the more physical stuff that you do causes the changes in the brain bigger than anything else. It turns out that learning to juggle, there's the German and English study, and you can Google German and English, uh, uh, German and English juggling studies, and they've discovered that, well, what they did was they took a group of people, and they did a MRI, uh, a magnetic, uh, fMRI, functional magnetic resonance imaging of these people's brains the, that they were going to have juggled, these uh, just people. I don't know who they, how they got them, students or whatever. But then they, they took a, an fMRI of the uh, population, just some pe- other students, and, and then they had the students that were going to learn to juggle. Say, let's say there were 60 of them. I can't remember. You can find that after you read the studies. That there were 60 of them, and they had them juggle 20 minutes a day for two months. That's approximately what it was. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards they did an fMRI, and of the 60 people, so about 30 of them, about half of them, learned to juggle pretty well, could do it pretty well. Mm. And the other half could not hardly, they were still dropping them, and they just couldn't really do it very well. Now, the population, the F, they did an fMRI there, uh, of them again, their brains were the same. The people that had learned to juggle uh, well, when they did an fMRI on them a second time, their brains lit up like a goddamn Christmas tree. Oh, right. <laughs> I'm, no, listen, listen, oh, listen, my God. listen, listen, all over, all over the brain, gray really? matter, white matter. You talk about, I'm talking about a Christmas tree. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, so that makes a hair in my neck stand up. So, so then, so, but, but the other, the, there were 30 people, they, they didn't learn to do it very well. They were kind of stumble, bumble, bumble. Mm-hmm. What about, what about the fMRI? Ch- what about the picture of their brain? It's probably black as needs to space. There's no activity whatsoever. No, no, no. It lit up like a Christmas tree, too. It doesn't really? make any difference. Listen, listen, listen. Don't, don't laugh too much so you can't hear this. Listen, it, it, the thing is, it doesn't make any difference how well you learn to do something, just the fact that you're trying and you're practicing. Wow. That's, wow, that's, 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 that's a revelation. Cost. I'm sorry? That's a revelation. It is. It is. It is. What it means is there's no more. You're just a goofy SOB if you you don't go bowling or play golf the first time or do this or that for the first time because you're concerned about how you're going to look. I'm telling you, anything new physical that a person does causes these astounding changes in the brain quickly, period. Wow. So we've got to, you know, you're always uh, just researching you a little bit. You're always trying to learn something new. It's not, you're not going to master one thing and then just stay there on it forever. You're going to reach out for something new, something new, something novel, new. Novel, novel. Our brains thrive on the novel. Right. Every day of a, of a hunter-gatherer's life was novel. Mm-hmm. Every day was different. That, you just, now that you've heard me talk about this, just try to think about that as you're going through time and space and life and living. Just think about now. This is, we're just a, a, a tiny fraction of a second of human hi- of history of the world, or, or, or human history, just a tiny little bit of a million, eight hundred thousand years. This is mod- these modern few hundred. You go back 300 years, 
And the majority on the planet were hunter-gatherers. You go back 100 years, and everybody walked around a lot. You go back to my high school in the 50s, junior high school in the 50s, or grade school in the 50s, and there were no fat kids. Maybe one or two chubby, but they lost it all by the time they got to high school. Yeah, yeah. That was even all the way up until my time. And you mentioned before we went on the air, we were talking about recess and stuff. I don't even think recess exists anymore. And when I was in elementary school, we went to school in the morning, and just like you, Stephen, we would be able to play freely before school started outside. Then teacher would come out and blow a whistle, and we'd all scatter like mice, and we'd fly into our homerooms and all that stuff. They'd take roll, we'd get to start with our day. And then middle of the morning, we'd have a 15-minute recess. Then we'd have lunch. We'd have recess right after lunch. Then we'd have another 15-minute recess in the afternoon. Then we come back in for like one more hour worth of schoolwork, and then we go home. Yeah, all that blood through the brain of that people learn better. If you want to learn something, mathematics or something, it's it's good to go out and punch the speed bags, do a little skip rope, go on a a, a, a bike ride, and then study it. Okay, there's another. There's a book called Spark. Yeah, I got it. Yep. Oh, it's a wonderful book. It yep. totally this is that totally substantiates all we're talking about. Exactly. Yep. California did great research uh, decades ago on test scores right after not just physical education but vigorous physical education, and the kids that had the vigorous PE right before the testing did far better than the kids that did not. So we know that it works. It, it, I don't know why we are not doing more of it, but no, we're doing it, and not not only we're we not doing it, uh, more of it, we're doing it, and we're cutting it out. We're doing it. In a, we're negative. We're going negative on yeah. something that we know is its sustenance. It sustains us. So when and then we lived in Atlanta for about five years. So my twins are ten now. They're in fifth grade. So when they were in first grade in Atlanta, they only had twenty minutes a day to go outside and recreate, and oh, they were man. in school six hours. I can't get wow. my adult clients to sit for, you know, an hour without getting stir crazy, let alone six. So, you know, all this attention it's a, it's deficit totally disorder unnatural. stuff. It's unnatural, we'll, yeah. It's totally unnatural. We're, we're born to move. In we other words, move, yeah. uh, when I was a child, those little bony, uh, my little bony ass on those hard little desks, yeah. it, was, it was like, uh, it wasn't torture, but... Oh man, I was just so thankful. My all my schools had great big, huge windows, and I could look out at the trees and the rain and the mm-hmm. snow, and and imagine what it was going to be like when I was school was out and I was back on the recess. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I want to talk to you about today was that you make a lot of your stuff. You had um, these foot pegs out of PVC. You're pushing these pegs through the board, and you had these yeah. really cool yeah. ball and cup toss things. And well, I thought I was going to do something for uh, uh, people who were in a um, who are who are people who are already hurt or are not doing well uh-huh. rehabbing people and I'm not really that's not something I know about it's not really what I study although it turns out that the people who rehab people are contacting me and saying my god you're just what you're doing is what we're doing mm-hmm. and uh, but I want to get my message to people that are hale and whole that are that are already healthy but have noticed a change or uh-huh. or that or that want something different but they they're not in a wheelchair i don't know how to i don't i've never dealt with those kind of people and yeah i don't know what to do i mean i don't well, well you're doing i mean RJ i think I you're, you're in, but uh, that's where those so that's where those pins came from i thought somebody that wasn't very could they could start with something easy like that that's just i just that i just say i get an idea and i have federal patent in boat design and and i just design lots of tools and stuff so 
So not to, not to digress here, but you're obviously a very intelligent man. But you you are uh, your your professional background is pottery. I guess you, is it true that you have something in the Smithsonian? You taught for years at uh, in Florida collegiately, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I taught. Uh, I started the department at the University of Central Florida. It was FTU when I started teaching there, uh-huh. and then uh, and then they changed the name to UCF, and now it's the second biggest university. Anyway, I started their ceramics department back in '72, and I do have a piece in the Smithsonian. Wow, and, that's uh, awesome. I made I made my living as a potter for about thirty. Oh, uh, 35 years or so. Sold my first pottery in um, 1966. I don't know what that would be. But then I um, and I have a, a line of educational videos that are sold all over the world that I got an international award with. Great. Uh, yeah. So, and, uh, I so made, uh, and then I quit making pottery after 30-some-odd years, and I made uh, carbon fiber and epoxy vacuum bag boats. I made a kayak that's uh, 12 feet long that tracks, absolutely tracks beautifully. You quit paddling, and it just keeps going in a straight line mm. that uh, is comfortable like your couch at home, has carrying capacity, and is a pretty like a piece of sculpture, and it weighs 15 pounds and 9 ounces. Wow, that's incredible. I think I saw that in your video, right? Yeah. Does it have like this aerodynamic kind of design to it where you sit? I'm sorry? Does it have this aerodynamic design like on the top of it where you sit on it? Yeah, it's got a it's got a it's got a, a de- it's got a seat in the deck. It's on the top of the boat yeah. to the deck. Yeah, and the deck oh, and it's cool. yeah, it's just to sit on top kayak. I'm from Florida, and I have a, I kayaked across the state of Idaho on the Salmon River a number of years ago, and was the only person in that closed boat to not have to come out of their boat. My role was so strong. I wasn't that good a paddler. I'd never been on whitewater in my life except in in class at a place called Nantahala Outdoor Center. And then I went and paddled 201 miles down the river return. Oh, river wow. no return across state Idaho. Wow. Now, I, <laughs> everything you do is really three-dimensional, and I, I think that, that's one thing Kevin and I have talked about. And Yeah, I'm learning to fly, too. That's oh, three, oh, really? really three-dimensional. Yeah. Oh, because, yeah. You know, you stir at a computer all day, and it's it's flat, you know, and, and people lose that kinesthetic awareness and, and that three-dimensional uh, of the world, you know, so I think that's really important that you're experiencing that and helping people understand that. Yeah, and 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 you guys are absolutely dead on with what you're doing. Smack, you're just you're at the you're at the leading edge of a of a razor sharp sword traveling at the speed of light through time and space. I'm telling you, this is the this is it for human beings is to is to help people remain physically. You, you want to you want to live to be uh, you want to live to be 87 years old and drop over dead, or you want to live to be 90 and drop over dead. And my, I got wonderful dying lessons from my mother and father. Mm-hmm. They were both dead when they hit the floor. Yeah. And and of course I I was sad, but I and I cried. Mm-hmm. But I but they they died instantly. They my father when he hit the floor just absolutely broke his face up. But he was dead. I mean he he had this massive uh, uh, heart thing, and my mother. Uh, was watching TV, and my stepfather uh, got up and went to bed, and he got up at 2 o'clock to take a leak, and and, uh, and my mother was dead on the couch, and, I, and he called me, and, and I was there 15 minutes later. She was still warm and soft, but she had a smile on her face. My mother was laying there dead, and she had a smile on her face. Wow. Wow. Hmm. Shocking. Hmm. Yeah. No. Well. Well, guys, that's the way you want to go. Exactly. How long? Exactly. How long do you want somebody to be wiping? How long do you want somebody to be wiping your bottom and not know your the people you love? Well, and we have kids today oh. developing adult diseases. So I mean, it's it's like they're just stretching out their 
uh, time of dying. That's dime. exactly what my recent blog is. That's exactly you just you you've talked two or three times today about the children. We were when we were kids, we were in good shape, and young children today are not in good shape. And 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 then I, I briefly touch on how many people 73 my age are still alive, and and what kind of medical problems have they had, and it's on and on. What kind of pills they taken? And then I say, and 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 we were all physically fit in in grade school and so forth, all of us pretty much. And now today we got all these kids who are not physically fit, and and what's going to happen to them, and how quickly? You know, I interviewed a guy a couple weeks ago for a show named Jake Monlux. He's 84 years old. He's a retired physical therapist in Seattle. And he's still coaching track actively. Amazing guy. Went to Olympic trials and gymnastics. Taught at the YMCA's in the 1940s. And he talked to me a lot about metabolic fitness. And he said, when you've got kids today at such a low level of fitness metabolically in terms of the yes, cardiovascular. So, so, the, so grindy slow. He said, it, your whole immune system crashes. And you're more susceptible to getting everything. And he goes, it's about immunity. And he really drove that point home with me. We've got to get people moving enough to build their immune systems. And I thought that was a really good point that we need to start talking about more. Right. Yes. And they now have discovered that that people like you, the three of us, they, they, uh, there's a little area of our brain that controls our blood pressure. Uh, and I've got it written down as something uh, uh, oblongata, medulla, medulla, medulla oblongata. Yeah, but it's a little a singlet. It's a little part of that that controls our blood pressure and our heart rate and so forth. It just does it beautifully. When we when we work out, it opens our blood vessels up and it opens everything up. And when we get cold, the three of us, it shuts down. Okay, well they they took, they got some people that are real sedentary, and they they examined that part of their brain. Oh, first of all, uh, you and I, we'd all have normal. If they looked at ours with this one of these fMRIs or whatever, mm-hmm. ours little area would be normal. But these guys, these people, ladies and men, who don't move around at all, are real sedentary, they're that area of the brain, the nerve cells have gotten furry. Really? I mean, this was just in the, this is, was just in the New York Times, and I'm using the exact same word. These little things look, these nerve cells in that part of the brain that normally control our heart pressure, our blood pressure, and our heart rate, they have, have gotten furry. They've got all these little things beginning to grow out of them. Because we're sedentary, this thing that's, that normally has got a lot of activity and is controlling and doing a lot of, is looking for, it's, it's thinking it's not performing well. I, I mean, I, I don't, I'm only describing what, why it happened. It's, it's, it's looking for something to do, and so it grows all these little things. And then what happens when these people move, it fires off erratically, and it shuts down their um, blood vessels when they don't need to be shut down. It opens them up when they don't need to be opened up. Anyway, it kills them. Wow, that's fascinating. Really, in other words, being sedentary really changes the brain in a negative way that they can that they can they've now documented. You know, after 54 years, I'm starting to figure this out. I was over in Tucson interviewing Eden Whitaker, who worked with Bonnie Pruden for about 40 plus years. And oh, Bonnie, I remember Bonnie Pruden on TV yeah, when I was a kid. Yeah, Bonnie Pruden was just a fitness icon, and, and I spent a couple of days going through Bonnie's archives and doing some shows and 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 being mentored by Enid. And at the end of the weekend, she goes, "You know, most of the stuff we talked about can be cured just by people moving better." You exactly. Know? I mean, it's, it's, it's that simple, right? I mean, yeah. Oh, Okay, and now, uh, now, so I told you that juggling changes the brain just massively quickly, mm-hmm. and it doesn't make any difference if you're trying to learn to juggle whether you're just whether you do well after X number of days. It, it's you're just making this big change in the brain. Well, what I have come up with, 
is things that change the brain in the same kind of way mm-hmm. that learning to juggle does. I mean, if you pick up marbles with your toes, mm-hmm. I mean, that's we, you and we, the three of us all know that's got to be making a big chest like learning to juggle, sort of. It's right. not the same thing, but, but I do it with my right and left foot, and then I, I, I drop a marble on a board so, and let it roll down this ramp, and I catch it before it rolls off the end with the other foot that drops, and I, you saw me do that, perhaps. Yeah. 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 And, and so, and so there's, there I am doing something, and it's not nearly as difficult as learning to juggle. Because I know, because I can teach juggling, and but I don't have any of that requirement for anybody. I have people stand up uh, little blocks with their toe or plumbing parts with their toe, bottles. Did you see that thing on the internet where I'm standing up bottles yep. with my feet? Oh, good uh-huh. for you. You guys are thorough. <laughs> We like to do a re- do a re- <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so what I have come up with is these things, these novel things that people can do. And you actually bought my video, so you're going to – I just I put a hacky sack on the back of my hand, and I throw it up in the air, and I turn it in my hand over, and I catch it. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's a very, very – or I have people bounce a ball with their one hand and then catch it, uh, catch it with the other hand. And, uh, on and on and on and on. But I have people train both hands, so it's go, going back and forth through the corpus callosum, which is that center part of the brain. Right, right. And, and, and so I'm doing all that juggling stuff. Sort of, kind of, mm-hmm. and and so I'm causing these big changes in the brain. I come, my memory, my memory has gotten so good since I jack up the uh, uh, frequency of uh, how, my, how I'm doing. Sometimes I do a lot of different things in one day. I'm learning to juggle four things, and I'm punching a speed bag, but I also stand on the bongo board, and I juggle my clubs. I practice that a little bit. And I go out and I got my tightrope set up and I sometimes I step up on that. And I got the loose rope and I got the rocks in my yard. I'm putting up a jungle gym, massive jungle gym. I've got a ladder that I can climb up and juggle at the top of. I, I got a vaulting bar. Wow, I, I've got a York barbell with uh, doing, but I don't do that so much anymore. Mm-hmm. But I got a, a, a two or three places at the studio here where I can do chin-ups. Um, I didn't do them for years. I didn't do. I used to do chin-ups. I used to be pretty good at that. I could do. I could put a 25-pound weight in a belt around my hang on around my waist and do three sets of uh, 10 chin-ups at 185 pounds, and I only weighed 160 pounds at the time. Wow, that's good. Yeah, it's yeah. really good. And, and but now I can do seven. I can do seven chin-ups now, and uh, and most I ever did in my life was 29. But that was without that weight, of course. You know, one one yeah. of the one of the projects we've taken on is to try to do education on the benefits of of, of a straight pull-up bar with children and adults. And so what we've noticed is a lot of kids today are, are so weak or overweight and weak that they can't hang on a bar for five seconds. Let alone oh, they can't do, do one, even one pull-up? They can't do one pull-up. No. They can't even hang on the bar. So, Oh, my God. Yeah, they, they fall off. They just fall right off. You know? Oh, this is sadness to that. Yeah, and, and so, you know, just getting that uh, concept back to people, like, you know, it's not dangerous, but we can regress it, we can make it easier, we can get a little platform up there, we can uh, hook up some uh, a TRX or some straps or something. Yeah, so yeah, that yeah, that's new. That, that, I know, I just recently saw that. Good for you. You guys are so dead on. You are absolutely, and you're a lot younger than I am, so you're going to be able to do this for a long time. So you're going to, we're changing the world. Well, I hope so. And, and, cool. uh, and by the way, we're in the Indian clubs. They kind of look like juggling pins, but we do. Yeah, I was going to mention the Indian clubs. Ron and I do. Um, we don't juggle the Indian clubs. I actually do know how to juggle. I taught myself how to juggle really? about ten years ago. Yeah, Wonderful. I can juggle. I can juggle tennis balls, fruit, 
small um, crossbows, different things like that. I don't yeah. really do objects yet. I see you doing those those pins and stuff, but I'm going to start trying to practice juggling my Indian clubs, actually. Yeah. Indian oh. clubs do that whole vestibular thing where you're moving back and forth in front of your body, and it's got the exact same concept you're talking about where um, it stimulates your brain. It's good for right. your shoulders. It's good for restorative and everything, but the thing is you have to focus. you got to be 100% focused or you're, you're going to hit yourself in the back of the head. Exactly. Exactly. Um, the thing about um, that's what I'm sure what uh, what you've got is what jugglers originally a long time ago or a hundred years ago or whatever. That's what they juggled. Is what you have, I think, because uh, the, the, what I've got are plastic. Yeah, we've got the, we've gotten the wooden ones. I'll tell you some really exciting stuff. And you're from Iowa, so we yes. we work a little bit with Dr. Ed Thomas, uh, the head of PE in Iowa, and Iowa's doing some amazing pilot projects with elementary school children using off-the-ground training and Indian clubs and speed ladders, and but really neurologically sensory-rich physical education where the kids are learning how to move better again and they're getting strong and they're improving their balance and agility and quickness. It's really exciting. I'll have to send you a couple of videos of that. Oh, that's wonderful. That that's And that sounds like what you guys are into. Yeah, I mean, we've got to learn how to move better, and, and we can't learn how to move better unless we start moving. <laughs> and try right <laughs> and at the end it doesn't make any difference how much of a how badly you do in the beginning it's going to cause these big changes in your brain which which statistically statistically what we're doing for people is we are making it so they won't get dementia or alzheimer's statistically we can guarantee people statistically that if they do what, what we teach them to do they will beat it they'll beat uh, because the disease the disease starts 30 years before you have symptoms. You're aware of that, right? Mm-hmm. Amyloid plaque and, and the tangles. What? That's what I heard, yeah. Yeah, it starts 30 years. So if you start it, if you start getting uh, Alzheimer's or dementia at 60 and you're doing all this stuff that we're doing and slowing it down, and so it's going to take 30 years from 60, and at 87 you fall and bump your head and die from traumatic brain injury, or you're at 92 at uh, 60 at 60 and... 30. At, at 89, you get pneumonia and you go to the hospital and you're dead in two days or whatever. You, you beat it. You never had any symptoms. Right. You know, by the way, my mom saw one of your videos and she ordered some jacks and she's starting to play jacks again. And she's that's, 71 that's years old. Yeah. That is so cool. <laughs> tell your mama, tell your mama to do it. Uh, uh, to do it, start out, I suppose, on a table or whatever, but to ultimately to do it standing up mm-hmm. and then to, to teach her left hand to do it. In other words, as she gets better and better and better and improves, to jack up the difficulty by having her do it with her left hand and then have her stand on one foot to do it, do her jack standing on one foot about at the table there, and then, uh, and then get an eye patch and cover one eye. Now, she may not want to do any of that, but if you want to take jacks, and make it so it's totally brain enriching for a long, long time. You keep jacking up the difficulty, make it a different exercise. Well, that's a great tip, and I'll, I'll give you a little uh, direct feedback from her. Um, she saw your video and she ordered the jacks, and then she ordered this little cup with a ball and a string. And yes, okay, I think you were using them, right? So she found some of those, she got them, and she she couldn't do it at first, and then she's like hitting it over and over and over again. And and I tried it with my my twins that are ten, and and, and we were missing it left and right. And yes. so, and in a week, in a week, she taught herself how to hit that, and and so oh, her, it's it's the neuroplasticity, and she's she's learning some new tricks. Exactly, exactly. 
she, what is she, she? But it's big, new, big training in the brain that she's doing. In other words, it's much bigger in the. It's the biggest thing that she could almost be doing. Right. It's like learning to juggle. It's like picking, learning to pick up things, with, marbles with your toes. Yeah, she she does like six miles of walking a day, but but this is the stuff she's doing now is yes. is more neurologically rich. It's it's that neuroplasticity because she knows how to walk. You know, she can do uh, that. Right. That's that's right. That's mm-hmm. right. That's that's right. That's why why I encourage people. I assume people are going to be walking around and doing bicycle and stuff. It's the the stuff I do is not. I know, I don't use the word exercise because people uh, on unconsciously or consciously they think of sweating and gyms and that sort of thing. I said I say to my audience. I say when you were a child, I said you go outside and play and you run around. And you play tag and you play hide and seek and you with your buddies on the bicycle just go and go and go till your tongue about dropped out. Mm-hmm. I say. I say, were you exercising? Or did you think, oh, my God, I'm exercising? You never even thought about it. Well, all my stuff's a lot easier than that ever thought of being. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't, but I don't use the word exercise. I call them playings, P-L-A-Y-I-N-G-S, or games, or then toys. Mm-hmm. And we're going to go play with the toys. <laughs> and, and a lot of your stuff, well, too, you're not, you're not, you don't need a whole crowd of people. You're just, you've got a couple implements, or just find the natural environment, and, and you just start playing. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We've you done guys are you we, guys are doing great. We've done it's some be- we've done some work with Dr. Kwame Brown of Virginia with Move Theory. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's he's got a, a big website and he's big in the play. Uh, he's a neuroscientist and a professor. Yeah. Uh, yes. But I think he does a little more on the game side with with groups of kids. But your your stuff seems a little more solo, which is nice because it's just like I don't need anybody. I could just go out and do it, right? Exactly. Yeah. Although the, the, although I've I've had children at my thing. And, I, uh, well, my granddaughter, she scampered around in my, my boulders, my rocks out here. Mm-hmm. I was totally amazed. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One thing, so, that, one thing that I really dig about your style, and another thing that we always preach, too, at the Converse headquarters, is exercise doesn't need to be arduous or uncomfortable or sweaty. Uh, cause any kind of anguish or pain. Because people are like, oh, i got to get in shape, i got to work out, i got to exercise. And yeah. a lot of the fear... People making changes is the fact that it's not fun. But if you can make it fun, that's the key thing right there that's going to get a lot of people to jump on board. And everything you do is fun. Just watching you. You're it is. It's energy. play. It's play. And I tell people, I say, people, these are my games. These are things I've come up with. And you can see there's just dozens and dozens of combinations here. And there, and there, maybe there's something here that you like, but, but you're creative. Make up your own. Make up your own games, and and let me know. Or email me, or write me a letter, and let me know what you've come up with. Because I'm really, really interested in in things that other people come up with. So, but I encourage people that I say these are my games. These are this is what I do, and you can see, you can kind of get a feel for how I'm doing and what I'm doing. Make up your own stuff. Do do stuff that's fun for you if you don't like any of this. Absolutely. Well, that, this has been a great show. Um, do you have anything to add, Kevin or Stephen? No, I just, uh, I'm just blown away at how Stephen aligns with the Lean Beret Code of Ethics. Aren't you, Ron? Yeah, I mean, I mean well, he, he's, he's full of fire. He's full of energy. He's, he's happy, fired he's up. Positive. He's out. Yeah. Definitely noble purpose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. He's he's <laughs> encouraging people to be active and and uh, enjoy what they're doing. And I think we could all use a little bit of uh, that play message. Uh, because sometimes it gets kind of daunting and serious when you look at the health dilemma that we're in. But but like Enid told me, at, at you know seventy plus years old and decades of experience in PE and physical fitness, he goes, you know, most of these problems we can solve if we just started moving around again. 
Exactly. It's so, crucial. That's simple. It's, it's crucial. Mm. As I said, you fellows are right smack dab d- dead on. You're, what you're doing is wonderful for the world. Thank you. And keep up the keep up the good work. I think you're going to have great lives and and have a lot of uh, fun and help a lot of people with what you're doing. Now, you do interviews and do you do workshops? I mean, what's the deal? I, uh, of course, we'll hook up your website and your contact information, but are, are you uh, just going where you're called, or do you do anything there in Florida where you have well, I'm, I Well, I want to. Uh, it's my desire to speak to every major corporation in America, all the major insurance companies. I could... I can save people a lot of money. What I do, mm-hmm. what I when I'm up in front of an audience, what I do trains the balance, stability, coordination, and it's going to they're going to people are going to notice a big change in their memory in a relatively short period of time. They're going to have a sense of their creativity is increasing, and their mood is going to be better. Plus a lot of other stuff. But who in the world wouldn't want those kind of things? Exactly. And and, and it's so easy. And I'm playing. And I made a, and I make up the games, and I just I think, well, what kind of what ancient man was just constantly moving? Well, how was he moving, and how could I kind of replicate or simulate that, or mm-hmm. make it change it my way, and move my hands a different way, and move, I dance a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm a really really good uh, dancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, very three dimensional for sure. Well, again, this has been uh, Steve Jepson from. Uh, Never Leave the Playground, and his website is neverleavetheplayground.com, and we will uh, certainly hook up his website and, and a couple of photos that are fun and steer some people back your way. He's got a couple of uh, DVD digital uh, downloads, or you can order the physical DVD and, and just a lot of stuff up there for free. We'll check up that blog, too, about uh, you know, active It's my most today. recent blog, and it's just about how when I was at, when we were children, the three of us, we had playgrounds and we had playtime, and how, and how young children in our classrooms. There were no fat. There were no fat people in our in our classes. I don't I don't remember any in the 40s and, and 50s mm-hmm. when I was growing up. And then and the one little boy that was kind of chubby, he got in good shape in high school. So it, we just moved a lot more. We moved a lot more, and we were we were out in the world with our gang of kids running around in our bicycles and. And I don't want to hear, oh, we can't let the kids go outside. Somebody's going to get them. Well, it, they, it was always happening at the same rate that it's happening now. It's just with mass media. They don't have anything better to do than go 24 hours on a, on a very sad incident like a plane going down or or just well here's a I, I used to do a bicycle pedestrian safety for a state grant program and a superintendent oh that's schools. another good thing now so what's interesting is when you get people out walking and riding their bicycles in other words out of the house off the computer off the TV the crime rates go down so oh, if you if you want if you want your kids to be safer go outside move around a little bit and you'll probably run the the, the bad people out because you'll be reporting them if they're in the neighborhood you know exactly exactly <laughs> pay attention and we'll be more social <laughs> the, the old yes, this, this, all this new stuff is antisocial. It's not social. I mean, that's a that's a, a, a hijacking of that word. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, yep. That's what I think. Because for for a family to sit together in a restaurant at a Christmas time, at a beautiful time when they're all together at Christmas, I mean, when I was a child, that was glorious time. And, and all on their phones today. And yeah. all no, and looking at their little glowy thummies. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Well, we're we're certainly making a dent in that, and and thanks so much for your time. And maybe we can get together in a workshop or something, Kevin. I would love it. That's what what I do. 
let's 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 work on that offline and and thanks for joining the lean berets on this and a very inspirational show oh thank you very much bye You've been listening to the Lean Braze radio show at theleanbraze.com. Until next time, keep moving for noble purpose, have some fun and play, no excuses.